back to Learn from a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen. I'm here with Cameron Christensen. Uh, Tim Cox, also, um, I guess. And back for, for after a bit of an absence, uh, Johnny Nielsen. Johnny, you uh, you think that becoming like a full-on doctor gives you an excuse to uh, skip our podcasts? Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. But, that's not the that's not the response we had worked out before. No, I'm sorry. Very that's correct. Sorry. What, what what am I paying you for? <laughs> Wait, what? I get paid? Uh, no, 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 nobody. Oh, nobody okay. That's, that's Carl. Right. Token payments. You, Two dollars. You get One the time. same percentage. Well, of, I'll pay you in uh, tokens <laughs> that I get from all the ads that we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You can, can pay s- me in gum, okay? I, I will pay you in Chuck E. Cheese tokens. Um, uh, those are worth real money, so... I'll well, not them. right now, because they're all closed, so... <laughs> Dang it, COVID. You just ruined <laughs> all my payments. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I'll anyway. support. Okay, let's, uh, let's get started with the podcast today. So this one is a very important podcast, I feel, because this is one... I'm going to ask our viewers to do uh, what I think most podcast hosts always ask their viewers to do or listeners to do. But this one I actually want you to do. Generally, I don't particularly care because I appreciate our audience. But, you know, listen if you want to and don't if you don't. Um, But this one I actually think is uh, is important and I really think it should be shared because uh, it's going to be really uh, useful and and I think meaningful. So uh, today's podcast is about seizures, um, and there's uh, this podcast topic was precipitated by uh, an event in my family uh, this week, earlier this week. So I'm going to give you that story, and then we got Johnny on here, who's a doctor, uh, and can tell us uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about seizures than I can just based on my one individual experience with the seizure. Um, which, while meaningful, is not obviously the information that Johnny would otherwise be able to give us. So, and then Cameron and Tim can chime in with any seizure information that they have, which I don't know of any, but maybe they will surprise me and uh, know things that uh, I don't know, which would be not an infrequent occurrence anyway. Most people know things that I don't know. (laughs) Okay, let's get started. Um, All right, so before I I, we start talking some of the science behind seizures and Johnny helps us out with that. I'm going to give you this story. Um, so this one is, I can, I can talk about it normally now and I can, I can even almost joke about it, but this is only four days ago. Um, so for, yeah, on Sunday, uh, I told you I'm a father. Yeah. Well, I I said it was, it was, let's, let's get through the story. So, okay. So on Sunday afternoon, I'm sitting around at home. I've got five children, uh, my wife, and um, so we're all at home together on Sunday afternoon. Um, and my daughter, my four-year-old daughter, has been complaining about a stomach ache. And so we don't really think much about, uh, about it. She's, uh, she's four. Uh, she often complains about things that aren't particularly real. Um, and she frequently threatens to vomit and really irrespective of like how she's feeling or what's going on. She just thinks that that's kind of fun. Um, so she's talking about having to throw up and we're like, well, fine, whatever. Um, and so that's happened most mornings and she seems more legitimately talking about it. Um, 
And so we think, okay, well, maybe she's got an upset stomach. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So this is uh, some like 1.20 in the afternoon. I don't know. Sometime in the early afternoon, my daughter says that she needs to go to the bathroom. And so we say, okay, go ahead. And, and she, so at four, she's almost five. She's come up on five soon. And so we don't uh, go with her to the bathroom, obviously. Uh, and we think maybe, you know, maybe there's uh, some diarrhea involved or something along those lines. And so she goes and we don't hear from, from her for, honestly, I wasn't tracking time at all. I wasn't even thinking about it. My wife a little better than I was for sure. Uh, but um, so my daughter's in, in the bathroom for, I don't know how long my wife then yells, Hey, you, do you need help? Is there, you know, is there something wrong? Um, and uh, there's no response, which is uncommon for my daughter who is generally pretty, uh, talkative, pretty, uh, she's a feisty one. And so, uh, but even then we didn't think anything of it. My wife doesn't think that she just assumes that means no, I'm not done. Um, so a couple more minutes go by and then my wife goes to check on her. And as she walks into the bathroom, luckily the door was not locked. Uh, I mean, uh, she sees my daughter kind of slumped over on the toilet um, kind of uh, completely unresponsive, like unresponsive, uh, and uh, and and kind of beginning to vomit, and uh, and and not doing so well. So essentially, she's choking on her vomit, and she is just out out of it, like she's not there. So uh, when my wife first walks in, she sees or some vomit and she yells for me. And I, so I start getting up slowly uh, off the couch and then, and then all of a sudden there's a, followed by a far more uh, urgent yell of, I don't think she's breathing. And uh, that obviously uh, changed the whole tenor of things. So I get up and I run as fast as I can to the bathroom and I see my daughter sitting in there and she is got vomit down the front of her. She is completely glassy eyed, so she's not unconscious, but she's like slumped over uh, and awake, but nobody's home. And and I and, and she's and she's choking on 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 vomit in her on her throat, and she's not really breathing particularly. Uh, like if if she's breathing at all, which I can't tell. I'm not. Um, it does. It's it's incredibly scary. So uh, she's just flopped sideways on the toilet. And, and so I, I, I pick her up and there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no response. There's no, uh, and so I, uh, I start giving her the Heimlich. I, at first I was just patting her on the back really hard, thinking that she's choked on something and she can't breathe. And, um, and so then um, that's not helping much. Uh, she's still kind of gurgling. Um, and so then I start giving her the Heimlich uh, a bit, not oh, super aggressive. She's four. Uh, but just trying to get something out of her. Uh, and, and she vomits a little bit more. And at that point, it didn't seem like she was choking on anything more, but she was still completely gone, right? Glassy-eyed um, and unable to really focus on anything. Her body is alternatively, like, tense, but somehow also limp in a really weird and very disturbing way. And so I pick her up. I'm trying to get her to say anything, right? I'm, I'm saying, talking to her. I'm saying, talk to me, talk to me. And um, nothing, no response. 
And so I pick her up and I and I I say, I gotta get it. I'm take her outside. I fresh air, something. And so I grab her and I take her outside. And uh, at this point, she she's um I, I'm just trying to get her to say anything. And and it finally at one point I'm saying, say your name, say 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 your name. And uh and then I get a response from her, but it's one that's honestly more disturbing if that's possible. And it was this this kind of very incoherent okay uh which to me almost uh, so what was running through my mind this whole time is we didn't know how long she'd been sitting there in the bathroom uh choking on her own vomit and uh so i i my brain automatically goes to she didn't have oxygen for some a large period of time she's sustained serious brain damage uh so probably things that don't necessarily fit at all the situation I was I was dealing with, but in my mind at the time, were the only explanation. So I'm trying to get her to say anything. She went, can't say anything. I mean, okay, it was the only thing I could get from her, and it wasn't like an okay you normally get from her, right? It was like a okay. Uh, and so I'm fully disturbed. By the way, my wife called 911. I, we uh, right as soon as we both were in there and, and re- recognizing this was far beyond anything we'd ever account- encountered before. So my wife was on the phone with time and one this whole time. Um, and so anyway, the uh, ambulance comes. Um, we uh, pass her off to uh, the the EMTs and and they seem pretty chill about it. Honestly, I'm sure that's generally the way they're supposed to address this is not be overly panicked. It doesn't really help as a parent when uh, like. I don't, of course, I don't want them panicked either, but their lack of panic does not like somehow like diminish my panic. And so up to that point, I had done a pretty darn good job as far as I'm concerned about lot, like keeping pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure I was talking pretty fast, um, probably doing some things that didn't make a lot of sense, but I wasn't doing anything like completely out there. I wasn't trying to hurt my daughter or like slap her awake or like, I don't know. Anyway, I was, uh, I'd been pretty cool about it. Had her off to the EMTs. The EMTs say something about a seizure, but it wasn't clear to me if they were talking about like she had this, was having a seizure at that moment, and therefore like like as a result of whatever had happened before, she's now having a seizure. Anyway, like I said, uh, lack of information. I didn't know what was going on. So they put her in the the ambulance. Gonna, they say you know one parent can come with us, the other one uh, can follow behind. So my wife gets in the ambulance. Uh, they they start taking her. I walk inside, and that's when I like as a parent, I just I can't I couldn't control anything at that point, and I was an emotional wreck. I am as most male in our society are generally not particularly emotional, but at that moment I was completely out um, emotionally, and so because out of my control when I was in my control. In my control is a strong word for what happened at any point during that time. But when I felt like I had my daughter with me, I was trying to address the situation and do things that I thought made sense. I could con- control it. But as soon as I passed her off and still didn't know what was going on, I had it was like the worst feeling of my life. So I my other children are, are like confused, sad. They've never seen their dad act like this. Um, and uh, so I just kind of sit there glazed, like just out of it for like 10 or 15 minutes uh, trying to figure out who I need to call, what I'm supposed to do. I was, I, I think I was supposed to follow my wife on the, like in the car. And, uh, but I didn't do anything for like 10 minutes. So then 
kind of cry and just sit there. And because in my mind, once again, what had happened was my my daughter had choked on her vomit, not had enough oxygen and sustained brain damage um, because we didn't know how long she'd been in there. And, and I didn't have any other explanation for this situation anyway. Um, so then uh, my wife texts me while she's in the ambulance on the way to the hospital at, at the word seizure. Um, and so I call her right away and she said she's having a seizure right now. Um, and so she was having a seizure in the ambulance. And so that didn't really give me more information and just made things, I don't make anything worse. It was already pretty bad anyway. So, um, I finally get in the car, drive to the, uh, hospital and we're in the coronavirus season, right? So, um, they won't let me in, uh, because, uh, only one person can visit, uh, any patient at any time. And so my wife is with uh, our daughter and I'm not allowed in. Um, as I relive this in my mind afterwards, uh, I, I wish I'd been slightly more confrontational. I mean, my four-year-old daughter is in my mind, like dying or if not dying, you know, brain damaged. And, and I, I need anyway. And, and so the security guard, even so I'm on my, the phone with my wife who's talking to the nurse and the nurse is saying, let him in. Tell the security guard, let him in. He can come in. And the security guard saying, no, I will not. And it was incredibly frustrating. I'm, I'm generally a good natured person. And so I, I, unfortunately, I was at the time, too. Um, I, I once, once again that I've been slightly more confrontational because, look, I generally understand the coronavirus restrictions and you want to do make things safe. But this, I thought, was a pretty darn extraordinary circumstance and I wanted to be in by my daughter. And so anyway, finally, the nurse walks all the way out to where I am and tells security guard, let him in. And he uh, lets, it, lets me in. And so I get back in there and um, they've done a CT scan already. They have ruled out, you know, any brain tumor, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and they've ruled out a, a couple other things as well. And, and generally, uh, I get that, that they seem pretty. I mean, they're still, she's in, she's in the emergency room. There's, uh, I believe she was the only person there at that time, actually. Um, and they're, they're, they're still around. They're, they're taking care of her. They're helping out. But I feel like everyone seems more at peace with this. And I don't understand why. No one has explained anything to me yet. And I, my daughter, they, they gave her some anti-seizure drugs on the way there that essentially knocked her out. Um, and so she's unconscious. Uh, and so... I don't know what's going on. My daughter is unconscious on the table. Last time I saw her, she was essentially not any better than that. Uh, and so finally, the nurses are helpful, but they're not really explaining too much. But fi so finally, the doctor comes in and she finally. So this is like an hour and a half later. I get the my, the doctor said this is incredibly unlikely that there's any brain damage involved here. Um she at the time does not give me. A, she mentioned seizure. I don't remember getting a full explanation of like what probably happened from her. She was helpful in that she reassured me that it was not brain damage. And that was the first relief I had had in like 90 minutes, um, which for me felt like an eternity. Uh, but they transferred her. That was a pretty small hospital. And they transferred her. I, I live close to San Diego. They transferred her to Rady's Children's Hospital, which is one of the top children's hospitals in the United States, which I felt fine about. Uh, another long ambulance drive, though, unfortunately. Um, so anyway, we finally get down to Rady's, uh, and finally the doctor walks in and tells me 
Cameron's making the money simple. Yes, uh, very likely. Uh, there's uh, this is an expensive educational experience for me. Uh, but anyway, I'm fine to pay this bill in as much as my daughter is okay now. Um, unfortunately, I probably didn't have to pay all of this bill for her to be okay. But it's once again a, an expensive educational opportunity for me. Anyway, uh, so we're down in Rady's. They're um, transferred her in they let us in because they have her in the um the icu there as well which i wasn't entirely clear why but whatever uh it did mean that both parents could be in the rule there was if you're in the icu the children's icu both parents can come in and so i was allowed in and so finally the doctor there comes in and that's when i finally he was he was a good doctor he comes in and just explains Top to bottom. First, he asked for the information, which I believe you probably already read somewhere, but just recounted. And then he's like, look, this is what this is probably what happened. And and then he brings up the, finally the term that for me was a completely new term. And that was febrile seizure. Johnny, is that the right way to pronounce it? Fe febrile? Yeah, that's right. OK, so febrile seizure. And he explains to me what that means. And he says, um, that's essentially it's a seizure provoked by some type of viral infection, most likely, that uh, also manifests usually in a fever, a fever. And the fever is usually a high-grade fever. Now, they had taken her temperature a couple times at the hospital. And at one point, they, uh, right after they brought her in, she had had a fever. Um, it wasn't a high-grade. It was like 100.8 100 Fahrenheit, 38.1, 38 38.2. Um, and, and before that, I believe at home she hadn't had a fever because when she was complaining about a uh, stomach ache that morning, I I didn't I didn't take out a thermometer, but I had felt her head, her back. She seemed fine to me. Uh, but once again, they'd taken her temperature at the hospital and gotten a, a reading that said that she did have a fever. And, and the doctor said, OK, so that's all we really need in order to say this is a febrile seizure. Essentially, it's a provoked seizure. It's it's uh, children. And but maybe Johnny can give us more information. Children. This happens in children, uh, and it's not really common, but it's also not extremely uncommon, and generally it is fine. Um, and so he said, we're, we're going to, given all that information and the, and the fever and your daughter's age, uh, we're going to assume that that's what it is without any other information that the CT scan was clean. So anyway, um, so to wrap up the story, essentially, uh, we stayed overnight in there at the hospital so they could observe her and... Uh, she was a little drunk that night <laughs> with the uh, the drugs they'd given her. So I'd never seen a four year old drunk before. But uh, essentially, that's <laughs> she was showing my wife a magic trick that involved her spitting ice out of her mouth and then sucking it back in, um, which to her was incredibly funny. Uh, even for a four year old, that's that's a low bar. Um, so uh, yeah, she wasn't. She's a little bit loopy. Um, anyway. Uh, so by the next day, she was she was fine. Um, they did eventually actually bring the doctors seemed to be very uh, of the uh, opinion that this was probably not a huge deal. And after I explained to me, I understood kind of why. But they as you'd want to be in generally, uh, they wanted to be really careful. And anyway, they brought in a neurologist. Um to look at her CT scan, uh, even though it looked clean to them, and, and then to do kind of an interview with her and check on her. Uh, and he, well, he said it probably is not necessary. He said uh, he's going to order an E as a sleep-deprived EEG. Um, 
sleep depriving a four-year-old is going to be a nightmare. That's supposed to be something that we do in like two weeks because you can't do it right after the seizure. Otherwise, I guess you can get some type of false readings. But we're supposed to sleep, sleep deprive my daughter and then take her in for an EEG because that will, I guess, those people that have seizures are prone to seizures. If you get them in a stressful environment, including sleep deprivation, that will provoke some type of you know, brain activity that they can then get in the EEG that'll tell them that she has an issue. Anyway, he said that's, he ordered it. It seemed like it was something that every other doctor though seemed to say that wasn't entirely necessary. Even he himself said, this isn't really something I have to do, but just to be certain, let's rule anything else out. Anyway, so we'll see what happens. But that is- That just long. means that you still we're acting like you were worried. So he wanted to reassure you. <laughs> well, no, I think he had like a resident doctor, which I'll, you'd know something about, John, you're a resident doctor with him. And he was like trying to like walk through what the options were. Essentially, it was almost like he was trying to show off. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, like I'm the, not going to complain. The resident was trying to show off to No, the, not the resident. Not the resident. This was the actual like doctor doctor. Like the... Oh, okay. uh, like the resident doctor, he, he was the doctor was like talking to us sometimes, and at times it seemed like he was directing his comments to the resident doctor, and and saying like this is what I recommend and this is what I think. What do you think, doctor so and so? And uh, obviously the resident doctor isn't going to refute this guy. He's clearly like an uh, elderly doctor somewhere in his late fifties, I'm guessing. Um, but it generally seemed to me, even with all that I heard, it wasn't entirely necessary. But I'm not going to complain. My daughter is fine. If they needed an EEG, then whatever, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, just to touch base on that, if you ever find yourself in a teaching hospital, that's actually a very normal thing to happen because in a teaching hospital, the resident is learning from the boss doctor, which is called the attending. Okay. So the attending will go into the room with you, and a lot of times the attending is teaching at the bedside because it helps the resident to be able to remember the things that they need to do by attaching it to a situation. So okay. it's pretty it's pretty common to do that. Um, sometimes it seems like a lot of overkill for the family, um, but it actually is very helpful for the resident to be able to learn the stuff. So anyway, that's I'm sure that's what was happening. I'm sure you're right. And, and that makes sense. And I, I appreciate the, the, uh, the whole, the idea that Doctors are very good about, uh, you know, getting trained very well. It makes it uh, significantly easier to trust the doctors. Um, and so I appreciate that. And I don't, once again, I don't have any issues with any of these things. I, uh, I'd rather that they are safe with, uh, careful with my daughter uh, than, than not. And uh, if it is, means o being over careful, then whatever, especially after the kind of nightmare experience I lived that brief time period on that Sunday afternoon, dude, whatever it takes. I mean, essentially I was, uh, I was happy to, I'm happy to pay whatever I need to pay in order to make sure that my daughter's okay. And she is now, right? She's, uh, she's just fine. And, um, and she's acting entirely normal. Uh, it honestly made me slightly uh, different, I think, at least in the last few days, uh, far more patient uh, and generally um, uh, grateful for being for her and for all my other kids. So in some ways it's been a good thing, but Anyway, the, the point of this podcast and this being a learn it from a layman podcast, so once again, we're talking educational, is to start talking a little bit more about seizures and febrile seizures and uh, and get that information out there. So uh, I'll, I'll ask Johnny now to tell us a little bit more. Five-year-olds? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, please don't do that. Unless you, uh, unless it's under doctor's orders. <laughs> it's a horrible <laughs> idea. I was like, cranky, sleep-deprived five-year-old does not sound like a fun thing. No, no. It was, so, uh, um, you'll you'll <laughs> enjoy that in a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced her sleep-deprived before. Um, it's not a good time. <laughs> I, I find anyway. that five-year-olds are more often working on sleep-depriving us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she does come to the side of the bed at un, um, unnatural hours and, and ask us to come uh, read her a book or tell her tell us it's time to wake up. And it's like, no, actually, it turns out we don't wake up at four. Get in bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm up at four. Just have her come call me. Yeah, yeah exactly. I wake anyway. up at four sometimes. <laughs> well, okay. Johnny and Cameron have special <laughs> circumstances. My guess, Johnny, uh, is that uh, that uh, Tim and I are the ones that here are uh, the ones that don't have to wake up at unusual hours uh, for work. So, <laughs> anyway, um, okay, Johnny, you're going to tell us a little bit about if you could just give us a little more information, whatever you uh, know, the febrile seizures. You're you're a uh, pediatric doctor now, so. That would this is kind of your wheelhouse, right? Yeah. So pedi um, so in pediatrics, one thing that's actually very common are febrile seizures, um, more common than you'd think. And if you did like a Facebook poll or went out there on some social media platform and asked, you know, do you know somebody who has had a febrile seizure or uh, have you had a febrile seizure? You, you'd probably hear more people. Uh, than not yeah that would have it would have happened to them yeah it's, let me happened you. To, it's happened to you one of your kids and it also happened to one of my other friends kids um and it, it can happen you know over and over again too whenever the kid gets fevers if they've had a febrile seizure before they can have another one it's like a 40 percent chance or something like that so it's a pretty high chance that they'll have one again. Uh, they usually stop around five. So you're getting to the late stage of that. So probably not something you need to worry about too much. Um, but just keeping a fever under control would be better. But it, it is something that's not really talked about because in the moment it's really scary. But then after you talk to the doctor, they just reassure you that it's very normal and that it's not harmful. And then I think you just get assured that like okay well this is fine and then you just don't tell people about it right well it's like it makes you feel crazy when you're like well my daughter was okay but i lost my mind <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah and so from the doctor's point of view i completely understand and and like you said like it um it it's, happens to more people than you you'd uh, imagine um i don't the number i saw and the number i believe that they told us in the hospital was like four percent of kids um will during their before their you know before before their five or five between five and six is usually when it stops four percent of kids will experience a uh, however you're a febrile i don't know how you're saying you use it make it sound better febrile, febrile. yeah febrile okay right. febrile febrile seizure before they are uh bef you know before they're five or six so if you think about that that's like um that's like one uh in every um like essentially, if your kids goes to kindergarten, one of your one of your kids in your kindergarten's class will probably have experienced a febrile seizure. Yeah, in a class of 25 people, one will probably have had a seizure from a fever uh, sometime in their life, which is that's actually 
it's more common than you would think um, it would be. But yeah, it's very scary. It's very scary for parents. It's very real. Um, you know, it is a real seizure. They have actual seizure activity. So if they um, if they have an EEG on, which basically measures the brain activity, you can tell when there's seizure activity. With the, it's like all the wires that are attached to your head. You've probably seen it on sci-fi movies and stuff like that. But it has different waves, and it, it can tell you what, what type of seizure they're having or if they're having a seizure. And febrile seizures are a real seizure. Um, there are uh, like what some people call psychogenic seizures or non-epileptic seizures, where it's like a psychiatric type issue where people will have seizure-like activity, but it's actually not epileptic. Like their, their brain signal isn't showing a seizure, but they're having seizure signs, which is something totally unrelated to febrile seizures. But, um, but anyway, I, I would say to all the parents out there, if your child has a fever and has a seizure, even though that is a pretty common thing and it's not super dangerous, they still need to go to the doctor and get checked. The reason being is that they want, you need to rule out the really dangerous things. So things that can cause seizures that are really dangerous are trauma. So let's say your daughter, Carl, was in the bathroom and slipped and hit her head, and that's why she was having a seizure. Well, on the CT scan, they'd be able to see brain bleeds. That's why they take a CT scan. They can see brain bleeds and they can see tumors pretty well or evidence of tumors by your brain being shifted to one side. They call it mass effect, where it kind of the tumor will push the, the rest of the brain tissue to one side. So you can kind of see patterns that there is something in there. And then they would want to get better imaging, which would be an MRI. Um, and the other thing that you would want, well, so bleed, bleeds and brain tumors would be like the two things that are very um, scary. Um, also brain infections. So if you have, um, it's called, uh, now I'm not going to be able to, meningitis or encephalitis. So if you have some type of virus or bacteria or fungus or something like that that's in your brain, it's not supposed to be there and it can cause seizures as well. So all those things need to be ruled out because they're very, very serious and they need to be treated um, seriously. So, uh, you know, as I would say even if you think it's just a febrile seizure, still go to the doctor and still get it checked out. That's That would be my recommendation. Yeah, I I think, who am I to say? I think you're right. Uh, you're, you're the doctor, but I think you're right. <laughs> um, I, I think I disagree. Certainly... <laughs> and nobody cares, Tim. <laughs> Can you kick Tim off the call now? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I'll bet I could get a certain, never mind. I'm not going to say uppity things about, never mind. We want to keep all our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, okay, so yeah, are you saying, Johnny, though, that, that they can probably wait until after the seizure is over and drive them to their their normal pediatrician, or would they need to go to the emergency room, or what? What, what do you recommend? Um, so it's probably easier to go to the emergency room because they probably will need a CT scan, and most places don't have a CT scanner. Um, just in like an office. So going to the emergency room is probably the best, is going to be the best bet. 
having seen my daughter, I can't imagine seeing her like that and thinking, yeah, I'll probably wait till tomorrow. You know? Yeah. And so, another thing that you have to remember about seizures is after somebody has a seizure, all that activity in their brain, went, they call it post-ictal. So after you have your seizure, you're not in your normal state of mind for um, usually like five to 10 minutes. So most seizures won't last more than a couple minutes at the most. That would be like a very long seizure. And seizures can be very short, like 10 seconds. Um, but after your brain has all that activity, it takes a while for it to reset and for you to regain consciousness. So your daughter being completely out of it when you're asking her questions, that would be completely expected. Um, and it's really freaky for people that have never seen a, somebody that has a seizure and seen how out of it that they can be afterwards. That they, they don't, they're not like awake. You can't ask them their name. You can't do any of that stuff. And then in five minutes you ask them and they're, they can tell you everything, you know? So it's very, it's very interesting um, how the brain takes a minute to calm down and to reset. Okay. So can I pause for a second? I, I know like in general what a seizure is. I know it's your brain activity and, and kind of what it looks like, but can we get a, a like an official or more specific definition of what's, what exactly is going on with the seizure? What's happening in the brain? How is it affecting the body and so forth? Yeah. So the seizure is, does happen in the brain. So it's generally there's a focus of neurons that misfires. Now, all your brain um, is set up on basically electrical signals. So if you think like there, there's this intricate network of all these um, cells that are communicating with each other with electrical signals, which allows you to you know, remain conscious. Now, when one of those misfires, it can spread to the entire brain. And they'll, they'll misfire. So, you know, sometimes you'll get like a neuron that misfires. It's not a big deal. You probably don't even notice. It's, it's not bad at all. But if there's a group of neurons that starts to misfire in like um, a rhythmic way, then it will trigger the rest of the neurons around it to do the same thing. And then it will spread across the entire brain. Now, there are so this is just generally there are some seizures that only affect a small part of the brain, but um, the, more, the more popular seizures are the ones that, that affect the entire brain. Um, so it's all in your brain. Now, the seizures can affect anything that your brain controls, which is everything in your body. <laughs> there you go. So, so a lot of times people think of like jerking, muscle jerking. So if the part of your brain called the motor cortex, if that is involved in seizure activity, you will have muscle jerking. Uh, that's just what will happen because those neurons in your brain are firing and telling your arms and your legs to move. And so you'll have that jerking motion. And it's just something that happens because that part of your, the brain is firing. Um, so, I mean... Uh, lots of different things can happen when you have a seizure. Uh, a seizure can really look like anything, but the, the ones that we think about are like um, the body shaking or the body getting rigid. Um, uh, I would say that those are probably like the most common things. But people usually don't breathe when they're having a seizure either, uh, which can be a little bit scary because if it starts to last a little while, they can start to turn like a little bit blue and stuff like that. Um, but you have to stop breathing for a long time in order to get brain damage from um, 
from that. I mean, I don't know how long actually, but usually people, even if it's like five, 10 minutes, I think that they're usually come out just fine. But if you start getting into like 15, 20 minutes, then I think that it gets a little more concerning that you're, you have had this hypoxia or decreased oxygen to the brain and that can lead to issues. Uh, but normally just like a one to two minute seizure, not going to cause um, permanent brain damage. So, so what do you do um, for, so let's say you suspect or suspect that your, your kid is having a seizure or anyone, I guess, what, uh, what are you supposed to do to help take care of them and make sure they're okay? So the one thing that you really want to make, you really want to keep in mind is that they're not conscious. Like you can't yell at them and say, hey, you know, move over or anything like that. They generally will not know what is going on. They won't have control over their body. So um, keeping them away from things that could harm themselves, like uh, if somebody's prone to have seizures, probably driving is a bad idea. <laughs> um, right. Or like, you know, if they're on a hike by cliffs you'd want to get them away from that or um if they're using power tools or anything like that you know things that if you're unconscious you could hurt yourself with those things make sure they're away from those things um, in the hospital we always lie the person on their side because a lot of times when people have seizures they will vomit and if you vomit and when you kind of come to from your seizure you will breathe in and you can breathe in your vomit, and that can cause a pneumonia um, just because the bacteria from your stomach can get down into your lungs and it can cause injury. Um, so you lay them on their sides so that that doesn't happen, and you pad the sides of the bed with pillows so that they, you know, so that they don't hurt themselves. But generally, if somebody's just on the floor, um, having a seizure, you know, help them down to the floor, but you don't need to like hold them still or anything like that. You can let them seize, but turn them on their side so they don't choke or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what, uh, and we, so we got some follow-up advice from the doctor uh, as we were discharged from the hospital. And it was essentially that just, you know, make sure they're not going to choke, lay them on their side. Um, and then just try to keep them away from, um, try to keep them away from things that will hurt them. So for example, my, when, my daughter was on the uh, was on the toilet, and they said the doctor said, you know, just lay her down on the ground, make sure she's not because on the toilet, obviously, crack your head on the porcelain, um, something like that. So that was essentially the same advice that we got from the doctor there. Um, uh, you also already mentioned febrile seizures. Once a child has had uh-huh. one, they're far more common. Um, it's far more likely that they have another one. Uh, so I think you said 40%. I think we, yeah, thir- between 30 and 40%, I think is what we heard. Is that right? Yeah, that's, um, I think that's right. Uh, it's pretty high. Yeah. So if a kid is prone to have, a kid can be prone to have febrile seizures. And also um, some of these kids that have febrile seizures will go on to develop epilepsy, um, which is something that I didn't really know what epilepsy was before medical school, um, basically it's when you have unprovoked seizures. So there's not a reason that you're having your seizure. You don't have an infection, you don't have a brain bleed, you don't have a fever, uh, you don't have any sicknesses, you don't have a brain tumor, you don't have a reason to be having seizures, 
or seizure activity in your brain, but you're having seizures. Now, everybody gets a freebie, so everybody can have one unprovoked seizure and not have epilepsy. But as soon as you have two, then you have epilepsy. Um, so that just means that you have these unprovoked seizures and you have to be on medication to control that. Right. Yeah, thanks. Um, I guess, yeah. I went to massage school with an epileptic. You did? So what was that, Cameron? I went to massage school with an epileptic. Epileptic? I can say that right. Was that, was that anyway, he, yeah. he or she, they on medication? Um, I think she was on some medication, but anyway, so um, she was pregnant actually during the time. So I was doing a uh, pregnant massage on her side. So she was on her side and she actually started having a seizure My. during the massage and stuff like that. So seems like a pregnant, that was fun. a pregnant seizure would be very scary. Yeah, there is actually yeah. a condition called um, that women can get. Uh, seizures while they're pregnant it's very dangerous um, but if you have a known seizure disorder it's probably just your seizure disorder and a lot of people have to stop taking their anti-seizure medications when they're pregnant so they can have seizures while they're pregnant but mm. if you have really high blood pressure that's called preeclampsia and preeclampsia leads to eclampsia which is like really bad seizures in pregnancy, it's very dangerous and deadly. Um, so, you know, the, the reason epileptics have to be on medication is because seizure activity can hurt your brain if it happens a lot. So it kind of burns out your brain if it happens all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really important that people are on seizure medications and it also allows them to have a normal life. So I don't know, every state has their own rules about you know, activities that are prohibited after you have a seizure. But I know at least in Alabama, um, you couldn't drive for an entire year after you had an unprovoked seizure. So it was really important for people to stay on their medications. And I mean, it makes perfect sense why, sure. but that throws a complete wrench into things. If you've ever, you know, lost your vehicle or driver's license or something and tried to get around for an entire year that is a bumming rides off a lot of people and it's you feel very dependent and that can be very difficult for people so so anyway it's really important for these people to stay on their medications so that they don't have these types of things happen sure sure well that's uh been very good to have you on well of course obviously we wouldn't have done this podcast without johnny uh <laughs> Dr. Johnny. Uh, I think we're going to be wrapping up. Let me ask if uh, Tim or Cameron have any other uh, information they want to share as far as seizure information. I should oh. say, I always heard if you saw someone that had a seizure to always try to mark how long it lasted. Ah. So if it did get over that five minute range or seven minute range, whatever it is, towards those grand malls. So uh, EMTs can know that. Yeah, it's really important to um, track. It, it's really hard to remember as an outsider to remember how long a seizure is. And they usually seem longer than they actually are. But if you don't remember to do anything, turn them on their side and start a timer. And make sure you know how long the seizure is, when it started, when it stopped, um, and then how long they were kind of out of it afterwards. 
and then any other seizures after that do the same exact thing and have all that timetable um, with you as you go into the emergency room because they're going to want that and everyone's going to ask for that and it's easier to remember if you just write it down so that is that is a really good tip Cameron that is thank you Cameron because that was they asked us a bunch of times how long did it you know what how long did this last and unfortunately we were able to give them very little information because once again we didn't find we found her in the middle of or at least at some point already having started the seizure so um okay Tim you were saying Oh, yeah. Well, so first of all, what's the what is a grand mal seizure versus another kind of seizure? Like, is that just length of time? Is it the amount of brain activity happening or, or what is it? So grand mal is actually um, they don't really use that as um, seizure and seizure definitions anymore. Um, what they do is they classify it by how much of the brain is happening. So grand mal was basically just these tonic clonic seizures where you have like the body movements, like the full body jerking. That was a tonic clonic seizure or a grand mal seizure is what is what it was called as uh, before. And that just means that your entire brain is being as being affected by the seizure. The entire brain is so. OK, as uh, opposed to, say, your left side or something. Yeah, exactly. Like you can have a focal seizure, which is only part of your brain. Um, and so like maybe your left arm twitches and that's your seizure or uh, or you lose vision in your left eye or, you know, it could be, it could be anything like that if it's only part of your brain that is being affected. But when it becomes the entire brain, it's known as generalized seizure. And it usually has these tonic clonic movements, which people refer to as the grand mall. Um, seizure. Okay. I wonder if I know that dolphins and other like marine mammals, their brains, you know, they don't sleep like we do. I wonder if they have seizures. Yeah, I don't really know. I've I've uh, had very little interaction in medical school with marine life. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you got to get out more. <laughs> I want my doctor so trained also as a marine biologist. <laughs> you know, dolphins can like sleep half their brain at a time so that they can still remember to like breathe underwater and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the, one, one last thing I was going to ask was about flashing lights, because I've heard that that's something that if you, have, if you like, you know, I don't know, red light or is that a thing? Um, yeah, so flashing lights can um, cause certain types of seizures. So there's all different types of seizures, um, like, and that you can provoke a seizure by like flashing lights. Um, sleep deprivation is a way to cause seizures. Um, there's also uh, like hyperventilation can cause a certain type of seizure. Anyway, so there's lots of different ways to provoke a seizure into happening, which can be great if you're hooked up to this EEG, which is an expensive test and it's really painful to hook up and you want somebody to have a seizure so that you can say, yes, this person has epilepsy, let's start them on medication. Um, and you can flash some lights at them and you know, sleep deprive them and make them hyperventilate and try to make them have a seizure. And then if they don't have a seizure, then uh, chances are that 
you know, maybe they don't have epilepsy or maybe there's not something wrong. I'm Googling right now, do dolphins have seizures, by the way? <laughs> okay. It's the, the question. I, I believe there was a Pokemon episode that wasn't aired in the United States due to um, those flashing lights that may cause yeah, seizures. Yeah, I know that, that all kinds of programs have to be careful with flashing lights. We, I recently uh, watched a show on Netflix that had a, to start start the show, had to a big disclaimer across the top that said, uh, you know, if, if you're prone to seizures, essentially don't watch this. Oh, wow. Because um, there was a, there was a Star Wars sequence. Right. Yeah, I mean, anything with a brain can technically have a seizure. So um, I'm just reading about dogs that have seizures right now. But anyway. <laughs> Interesting. All right. You, you found your life's mission, Johnny. <laughs> to find every type of seizure in every mammal. Yeah, I'm giving you a challenge right now to find the smallest seizure ever, like animal-wise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How long do I have to do this? <laughs> 20 years. procrastinators. Well, give me years, please. Yeah. Okay, there you All go. Right. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we're going to wrap the podcast here. and This is, once again, where I say I'd like... I don't our audience to share this podcast mostly because I think it's really good information. I think a lot of people know kind of gen generally about epilepsy, about seizures. But what what was unclear to me as a parent was uh, how frequent they are in children, and febrile seizures are. Which again, if it's not your kid in the in the in your kindergarten class, it's somebody else most likely in your kid's kindergarten class is either has had one or will have one, and so. Uh, like it is really common. And as a parent, not knowing that and not essentially being familiar with what that looks like and um, what, what Johnny just explained to us about, you know, post-ictal stuff and, and things like that, I it was it was living hell for about, you know, 90 minutes. And if we can avoid that and I mean, it is, for, for the children, it is what it is, right? They're going to have a seizure. It's going to be really pretty miserable, uh, hopefully nothing long-term, but and in most cases for um, febrile seizures, it's not. But um, but for the parents, you know, it's 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 uh, hopefully at least some to some degree you can better understand what's going on, which would be uh, would have been really nice for me. And so I'm hoping that if we can share this around, get this around to anyone that you know that is either has children or might have children, uh, and and then obviously anyone else uh, that that would be in our, so essentially anyone. Um, and so get this information out there because it's out there. Obviously, you can Google it, but I want people, like this needs to be something the parents know. I feel like there needs to be a parent, a parental handbook that has a page about febrile seizures. <laughs> this should be uh, alongside, uh, you know, what to do when your baby screams, um, you know. But uh, anyway, so uh, thank you, Johnny, for all the information. Yeah, of course. Glad I was able to get some time off so I could yeah. help you guys. It was, yeah, I was I was sad that I had to miss out on so many. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, that's the life of a doctor. So um, thanks, Cameron and Tim, for uh, your contributions as well. And uh, yeah, we'll um, ask you once again, share this podcast, uh, do whatever you got to do to get this around. So people are from parents are more familiar. Nobody has to experience that like I did. And uh, we'll uh, see you back next podcast. Adios. Adios.